You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. I'm Hello America and welcome to Talking Pets with your host John Patch. Join John and his expert guests with all of your pet questions, concerns, comments and stories. Now it's time for Talking Pets with your host John Patch. And welcome to Talking Pets, heard coast to coast on your favorite radio station. This is Talking Pets and I'm John Patch. Joining us this hour is Dr. Lisa Sentonzi, here to answer your medical questions and your behavior questions about your pets. We also have a special guest joining us in this hour. His name is Brian Hare. He is the author with Vanessa Woods of the book called The Genius of Dogs, How Dogs Are Smarter Than You Think. He's going to be joining us throughout the hour, and we're going to be giving away a couple of his books as well. The show is produced by executive producer Mr. Bob Page. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. And you, Bobby? Lovely. May I have another? You definitely may. Also joined by uh, Business Talk Radio is Mr. Zach Buden. When you call in, you'll speak with Zach, and he'll put you on the air with us at 866-606-TALK. That's 866-606-8255. We welcome your calls and questions. Once again, 866-606-8255. Once again, I'm John Patch. Joining us is Dr. Lisa Santonzi, and we're going to be speaking with Brian Hare, the author of The Genius of Dogs. 866-606-8255. This is Talking Pets. Brian Hare is an associate professor in the Department of Evolutionary Anthropology and the Center for Cognitive Neuroscience at Duke University, where he founded the Duke Canine Cognition Center. Vanessa Woods is a research scientist at the center, as well as an award-winning journalist and the author of Bonobo Handshake. Hare and Woods are married and live in North Carolina. I want to welcome onto the program of Talking Pets, the author of The Genius of Dogs, How Dogs Are Smarter Than You Think, Mr. Brian Hare. Hey, Brian, how you doing? Hey, John, thanks for having me on. It's nice to have you on the show with us. Uh, you know, the music that you're hearing in the background, um, my producer says, has, it's to deal, Bobby, you said it's to deal with the smartness of dogs? Yeah, it's to play in the background for dogs so they can become smarter. I love it. <laughs> it's called Smart Dogs. Do you like that, Brian? <laughs> I love it. We need it for the Duke Canine Cognition Center. There you go. <laughs> Bobby can find you anything, pretty much, when it comes to music and all. But I do want to welcome you onto the program, of course, Talking Pets. Uh, we've been out there for 21 years, nationally and internationally uh, broadcast. And uh, the name of your book is The Genius of Dogs, How Dogs Are Smarter Than You Think. It's put out by Dutton Press, uh, which is an extension of Penguin, correct? That's right. And it's available in bookstores and, I would imagine, on Amazon.com and all. Anywhere you can find books. It's a beautiful book. And i got to ask you right off the bat, who chose the picture of the dog on the cover? Oh, that was the genius uh, of Penguin. Um, they, they found the uh, pr- professorial-looking Great Dane. Beautiful dog. 
Big dogs. He's a big dog, yes. Now, I, I know you uh, you reference, I believe, in here a little bit, uh, Stanley Korn, and uh, he does do actually a, um, uh, a pr- some praise on the book. But Stanley, I remember, was on the show with us many, many, many years ago uh, when he brought out a book himself called The Intelligence of Dogs. And um, he ranked the dogs from breeds from one to two, and I and I I'm pretty sure the the most intelligent, according to him at that time, was the border collie, and the least intelligent was the Afghan hound. Am I correct on that? Uh, yeah, that that may be uh, what his ranking system was. Now he says actually um, a quote here in your book: "With the help of some wolves, Russian foxes, New Guinea singing dogs, and a Labrador retriever named Oreo." Brian Hare tells us about his fascinating search for an understanding of how dogs think and communicate. Now, that's the author of uh, Do Dogs Dream and Born to Bark, Mr. Stanley Korn. And um, how long did it take you, Brian, to put the genius of dogs together? Ah, well, I mean, I've, I've been working with uh, studying dog um, cognition since I was about 19, so I hate to say it's been well over 15 years now. Uh, and the book uh, we worked on for about 18 months once we decided um, to put it together. And the reason we decided was because in the last 10 years, there's really been a revolution in our understanding of how dogs um, dogs solve problems and um, dog psychology in general. And, you know, we argue in the book we've learned more in 10 years than we had in the previous 100. So the book, the idea is to share that with everybody and let make sure everybody has a way to uh, get to know all the exciting things we've learned. You know, it's it's fascinating, too, because there's a lot of opinions out there, and you know how opinions are. Everybody's got one, just like other things. And the thing is, with dogs, some people say, you know, that they're not intelligent, that they're that they forget things very easily. And if you're comparing them to a cat, a cat rules any day over a dog. Would you agree with that? Well, I mean, what we try to do in the book is try to talk about how people who study animal cognition um, think about intelligence. And the best analogy, the quickest analogy I can give you is when we're comparing two different species, um, often people say, well, what's smarter, a cat or a dog? Well, my response is I can't really answer that question unless you can tell me what's a better tool, a screwdriver or a hammer, because different tools have been designed to solve different problems, and it's the exact same way with different animals. It's what you're going to use it for. Exactly. So, so you know, basically nature has designed um, animals um, to be cats and dogs, and it's hard sometimes to, um, you know, say which species is more intelligent because obviously a dog wouldn't be a very good cat, and a cat certainly wouldn't be a very good bird, and a bird wouldn't be a very good dolphin, uh, et cetera. So um, that's not to say that we don't do comparisons, but I just want to start off by saying um, that's how we think about it. That's a good point. It's a very good point. But, I mean, you could talk to any pet lover. I mean, I, I, I love all animals, of course, but right now I live my life with two cats, so I'm going to say cats rule. <laughs> Sorry, that's all nice academic stuff, but in the end, cats rule. Well, and, and so, the, um, you know, the, the punchline is that um, uh, it de- what we've learned is that there are lots of different types of intelligence, and different animals express different types of intelligence um, in different situations. And the main thing to emphasize is that there's not just one measure, and, um, you know, cats can have one type of intelligence that's really remarkable, and dogs can have another type of intelligence that's really remarkable. You know, um, I, I always say, too, Brian, on the show, um, and I've said it for many, many years, is that uh, people downplay animals. I mean, w- I, when you look at a dog, for instance, it doesn't make them any less intelligent because they can't sit at a desk and type on a computer and formulate maybe a paragraph. But they're a lot more intelligent in many ways than we're not, and they have better skills than we do. Um, than human beings. 
Well, one of the things we argue in the genius of dogs is, again, how do you measure success as a species? And so, you know, humans, we have the International Space Station, we have iPads and, you know, computers, and we're talking on the radio, and we're the only species on the planet that does that. But I would argue that dogs, um, really next to humans, um, are one of the most, if not most successful species, maybe even more successful than people, depending on how you measure it, because who uh, would not love to live a dog's life? Um, <laughs> no, you're and, right. You know, yeah. have people do all the things for you and, you know, live in a wonderful home and be fed and, you know, uh, basically um, be taken care of. So, you know, who's the winner? The highly endangered um, wolves that dogs evolved from or uh, dogs that have gone everywhere all over the world and because they adopted humans, you know, basically they can just sit back and relax now. Well, Jerry Seinfeld once said on his program, he said, if the aliens were up there looking down on us and you saw, and they saw a human being walking in a park with a dog and the dog all of a sudden spreads his legs and goes number two and that human has to bend over, pick it up in a bag and throw it out, then who is the most intelligent species on Earth? <laughs> well, who would I be to disagree with Jerry Seinfeld? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to take a little break, Brian. I've got a co- bunch of questions for you, and I want to ask you, um, there's a fact out there that you mentioned in the book that dogs can actually make inferences, and I want to find out what you mean by that. So um, when we come back, we're going to continue on with Brian Hare. He is the author with Vanessa Woods, and that's your wife, correct? Yes. Okay, Brian Hare and Vanessa Woods, The Genius of Dogs, How Dogs Are Smarter Than You Think. So we're going to give away a copy of the book to the uh, first call that comes in to Zach Buden at the network at 866-606-TALK. That's 866-606-8255. Call right now, and a copy of this beautiful book, The Genius of Dogs, is yours, 866-606-8255. We're speaking with Brian Hare the author of The Genius of Dogs. And uh, with us now is Dr. Lisa Sintonzi. Hey, Lisa, how you doing? We're going out to a break, but I wanted Hi. to say that you made it. I'm so sorry. I'm no, late. no, please. You got I... stuck in traffic, so that happens. There's t- too many cars on the road. Yeah, well, it's all those dogs. They don't know how to drive. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, I'm John Patch. I'm Dr. Lisa Sintonzi. Pick up the phone and give us a call if you've got a question for Brian Hare, or if you'd like to get a copy of that book, call right now, and it's yours, 866-606-8255. And don't forget, you can check us out live on the webcam at TalkinPets.com, T-A-L-K-I-N-Pets.com, and please join us on Facebook and Twitter. This is Talkin' Pets. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Petco, where the pets go. Petco, where the pets go. Pet Life Radio has tail-wagging, fur-flying, fabulous deals for our listeners from Petco. Get $6 off your order of $60 or more and up to 40% off the entire Petco site. That's right. But that's not all. Because you're a Pet Life Radio listener, you'll also get free shipping on your order of $49 or more. $6 off, up to 40% off and free shipping. From Pet Life Radio and Petco. To get these awesome deals, go to PetcoDeals.com. That's PetcoDeals.com. Petco, where the pets go. X-Power is a global brand that offers a complete line of stand dryers, cage dryers, and multiple blasters that cater to both home and professional groomers. Designed to be quiet, lightweight, and powerful, X-Power pet dryers will save you time, energy, and money. The X-Power B2 Pro at Home Dryer is the perfect gift for family and friends. Please check out our specials at ViperPet.com and Amazon.com. For more information, visit xpower.ws or call 855-855-8868. 
Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Talking Pets. I'm John Patch. I'm Dr. Lisa Santonzi. 866-606-TALK is the number. 866-606-8255. Pick up the phone and give us a call. We're speaking with Brian Hare. He is the author of The Genius of Dogs, How Dogs Are Smarter Than You Think. It's put out by Dutton Press, uh, an extension, of course, of Penguin. You can find it in bookstores, and you can also find it online. But you can give us a call right now at 866-606-8255. Brian, I want to introduce you uh, formally to uh, Dr. Lisa Santonzi and uh, introduce Hi, you Brian. guys. Hi, Brian. Hi, Lisa. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. I'm really looking forward to reading your book. It's beautiful. Oh, thank you so much. I love all the, the collection, the collage of dog photos that you have in, inside the front and back covers. Well, the book is dedicated uh, for all dogs, so we figured that was a good way to communicate that. Well, believe it or not, even though I'm a veterinarian, I just got my first dog ever about a year and a half ago. Uh, I had always been a cat person, had always had lots of cats, but had never had a dog. And uh, same thing with my husband. And we adopted a dog from the shelter where I work. I'm a shelter veterinarian. How nice. And, of course, she has a long, complicated medical history, which I won't bore you with. But I am totally in love with this dog. Totally in love with her. And... uh, I can't wait to wait to read your book and try to figure out how much she knows. And I'm, I'm definitely going to take this dognition test that you talk about in the on the back flap. Well, I, I think I, I hope you will because I think it'll be you, you'll have even more reason to love your dog. <laughs> yeah, she. I I don't want my husband to hear me say this, but she's the love of my life. You know, he's listening. <laughs> <laughs> normally, normally Vince is here with Lisa because Vince is a veterinarian as well, right, but he's, he's got sick. the flu. He's one of those many, I think there's two states right or three that actually don't have an epidemic right now of flu, yeah. which is California, Mississippi, and Hawaii. Mm-hmm. So I guess it doesn't travel over the ocean, so Hawaii's safe for right now, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Well, hey, I hope I w- it gets better quick. I, I was asking you actually about inferences, that the surprising fact that dogs can make them according to your book. What do you mean by that? Well, imagine when Lisa's driving to work, um, bumper-to-bumper traffic, and she, um, uh, around the corner, knows there's an intersection, um, and she's praying, hoping that the light is green. Um, Mm -hmm. And she can't see the light, but she can see the cross street. And um, if you can see the cross street without seeing the light, you can determine whether the light is green or red, because why? You can see that their car is either moving or not. Mm-hmm. If the cars are moving on the cross street, you can infer that your light is red, even though you haven't seen the light. So, so that's an example of an inference. And, of course, as humans, we make inferences all the time. We don't have to slowly learn um, through trial and error everything. We have the ability to make conclusions about things, even though 
we haven't necessarily seen what's going on. We can sometimes imagine solutions or imagine what's going on in the world. And there's now some very nice evidence that um, in a number of contexts, dogs also are making inferences and that um, dogs are as cognitive as we are and that they're not you know, just simply um, slowly learning things through trial and error, but they can make um, inferences. What do you think about human gestures? Can dogs read off those? Well, that's a good example where, um, uh, you know, science has really been slow to get excited about studying the cognition of dogs. It, there are many popular books about dogs, but one of the hidden secrets uh, is that actually there's been very little science to base those books on because very few scientists have studied dog psychology in the same way that we study young human children or we study chimpanzees or bonobos or we study other primates. And so in the last 10 years, people have gotten really excited to study dogs. And the reason is because we, we discovered, scientists discovered, something that all dog owners have known for a really long time, which is that um, dogs are amazing at using gestural communication. So if you point to them and try to help them and say, hey, there's something over there, uh, they will use that information um, to find things or to try to understand what you want. And that is actually a, a case of them potentially making an inference where that you gesture and they have to infer what it is that you're trying to mm -hmm. tell them. It may not be readily apparent. And so that discovery um, was where scientists r realized that dogs actually are remarkable because it ends up, this is what I don't think the public is aware of, is that dogs are really one of the only species that flexibly use human gestures. It ends up that chimpanzees, bonobos, lots of other primate species, um, they're not very good at using human gestures. And dogs are remarkable because they can infer what we are trying to tell them uh, in a way that other species can't. So because we discovered that, everybody got excited. Wait a second, this is amazing. Uh, this is something we thought was really important for human children to develop normally and to develop language. Why in the world are dogs able to make the same kind of inference? That, you know, that is that is so true. I completely believe you on that because after I had brought my dog home from the shelter, at one point I was trying to get, she would come over to the couch and like beg for me to pick her up and put her on the couch. And I would um, just sort of instinctively thinking, oh, sh she's a dog, she's smart, she'll know what I'm saying, but I have no way to know if she knows what I'm what I'm saying say no and I point my finger and move it away from me pointing towards the other side of the room and she would walk away from me and go sit on the other side of the room and I don't know what her history was if she had ever learned that if somebody had taught her that before or if she's inferred it but somehow she knew what I wanted her to do just from my gesture so this is one of the remarkable things that we were surprised to discover um, is it ends up that um, six to nine week old puppies can use human gestures at the level of a small child, whereas even adult wolves are not very skilled at using human gestures. Even an adult chimpanzee is not very good at using a human gesture. So there's something really remarkable about dogs that allows them to do what you've just described, and they don't necessarily have to spend a lot of time learning this. This is something they seem to come into the world prepared to do. You know, I think it's interesting, too, as you mentioned in your book about domestication, and we always talk about the thousands of years that dogs have been domesticated, but according to your, what you're saying, that there's a theory in your book that dogs dom domesticated us That's rather right. than the other way around. Right. So, the, so the, I think most people would assume that um, dogs were created in our image. Um, and actually, uh, what the best science suggests is that it wasn't that we chose dogs. It was that actually dogs chose us. And more accurately, 
a subpopulation of wolves chose to begin hanging out and be um, bold and friendly um, towards people. And they did this at a very specific moment in um, human history when humans went from being foragers and um, living without any agriculture and um, when we transitioned from roaming around um, not growing plants and cultivating anything to being reliant on agriculture. And when you become reliant on agriculture, you have settlements, you build houses, and you stay in the same place. When you do that, you create a lot of garbage. And it ends up wolves and humans eat the same thing. So how tempting for that bold, friendly wolf to come in close and hang out around humans and eat all that yummy food. Um, and so basically, um, it was wolves that chose us, and as an accident, they became domesticated. Brian, don't go away. We're going to come right back with Brian Hare. The genius of dogs, how dogs are smarter than you think. The next call that comes in at 866-606-TALK. 866-606-8255 gets a copy of the book. This is Talkin' Pet. Talkin' Pets. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Every pet is unique. Maybe they're gray in the muzzle, yet young at heart. Maybe they're growing out of the puppy stage and into their paws and ears. Or maybe they're just trying to maintain a more girlish figure. At PetSmart, we have the right food for your pet at a great value for you. PetSmart. Be better together. Go to PetSmartDeal.com and save up to 30% on awesome gifts for the pets and pet people in your life. Toys, collars, leashes, PetSmart gift cards, treats, and more. Go to PetSmartDeal.com today. P-E-T-S-M-A-R-T-D-E-A-L.com. Dyson. The new Dyson Animal Backs are powerful bagless upright vacuums for homes with pets. Air muscle and radio root cyclone technology generates the strongest suction power to powerfully remove dust, dirt, and pet hair from the home or car. To order your Dyson Animal Vac, go to DysonDeals.com. DysonDeals.com to order your Dyson Animal Vac today. Dyson. Music to your ears. Jungle Deep Deep. Exotic animals in their homes are what we talk about on Jungle Deep. Join biologists, zoologists, botanists, conservationists, and climatologists as they talk with me about the marvels of the tropical rainforest and how we might save them from extinction. This show is fun and one of a kind. Hi, I'm Dr. Jones, and if you love nature and her creatures like I do, join us on Jungle Deep Deep. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. PetLifeRadio.com With this hour's Talking Pets news from the USA Today, live from the ranch, here's your host, John Patch. Out of South Kingstown, Rhode Island, University of Rhode Island doctoral student Justin Richard is hoping his study of what he calls whale snot will yield health information about the beluga whale population. Richard wants to learn whether a whale's gender, reproductive status, and other information can be determined from the cells and hormones they exhale. Um, Also, uh, scientists normally collect such information by firing a biopsy dart into the animal. Dr. Lisa? 
From Fairbanks, Alaska, organizers of the February 2nd Yukon Quest International Sled Dog Race say it's premature to panic about too little snow on the trail. Organizers say a lot can change before the start of the 1,000-mile race from Whitehorse to Fairbanks. John? In Anchorage, Alaska, the estimated number of endangered cooking-lit beluga whales is showing a small increase. The 2012 survey puts the number at an estimated 312 whales. The previous year's estimate was 284 whales. From Hawaii, officials have named a dolphin whose birth became a viral video hit. Lehua, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, Lehua, L-E-H-U-A, is one of three dolphins born recently at Dolphin Quest, Hawaii. Footage from Lehua's birth shows the baby's tail moments before she emerges from her mother. Dolphin Quest, Hawaii, held a naming contest for Lehua and two other babies. Lehua means beautiful flower in Hawaiian. The other dolphins are Malu, peace, and Nebel or Nabele Forest. In Springfield, Illinois, at least 500 otters have been caught in the state's first river otter trapping season since 1929. The season closes, actually, on March 31st. From Boise, Idaho, Zoo Boise has raised $220,000 to build a new exhibit for its Patas Monkeys in just five weeks after the city contributed $100,000. The Friends of Zoo Boise raised the remaining $119,000. Construction is to start this spring on a 1,000-square-foot Patas Monkey exhibit. John? And once again, you're listening to Talking Pets. I'm John Patch. I'm Dr. Lisa Santonzi. Give us a call at 866-606-TALK. That's 866-606-8255. That's the number to call. We're speaking with Brian Hare. He's the author of The Genius of Dogs, How Dogs Are Smarter Than You Think. If you've got a question, we welcome it in. Once again, at 866-606-TALK. You can watch us live on the webcam and join us, please, on Facebook and Twitter at TalkinPets.com. No G in the talking. Remember that. Hold on to me as we go As we roll down this unfamiliar road and although this wave is stringing us along, just know you're not alone. Cause I'm gonna make this place your home. And once again, you're listening to Talking Pets. I'm John Patch. I'm Dr. Lisa Santonzi. And that's Philip Phillips, the uh, winner of American Idol last year. That's uh, his number one song out there, which has, I believe, gone platinum, called Home. Um, good CD, by the way, too, if you like this music. Um, it's not bad. Go pick it up. Pretty sure he's going to be in Orlando. Is he? Yeah, he's doing well. He's doing very well. The Universal Mardi Gras thing. Oh, is he? Uh, Ink that one in. (laughs) 866-606-TALK. Congratulations, actually, to Robert in Duluth, Minnesota, and also Jackie in Spokane, Washington. They're getting a copy of the book, The Genius of Dogs, How Dogs Are Smarter Than You Think, by Brian Hare and Vanessa Woods. 866-606-TALK is the number. I want to welcome on, of course, KXIQ out in uh, Terrell, Arkansas. That's Memphis, Tennessee, actually. So uh, welcome to the gang out there in Memphis. We look forward to hearing from you guys. And welcome on to the show of Talking Pets, KXIQ. But, Brian, we were talking about, you know, the how smart dogs are and, you know, getting into a couple of different subjects and all. But the one thing that I, you know, we were talking about domestication, how they domesticated us. But what about physics? 
You know, you talk in your book about dogs and physics. What's your uh, what's the relevance there? Well, the you know, taking a cognitive approach to trying to understand how dogs think, um, we don't just assume that they um, think the same way that people do. And um, one of the things that we've discovered is while dogs are really remarkable in how they understand our gestures and even, in fact, how they learn words, where they are completely unremarkable, actually borderline vapid, is when it comes to understanding principles of physics. So, for instance, uh, if I asked you, um, will a tennis ball go through a sofa? Um, you know, you know that the sofa's solid, and so the tennis ball won't go through it. Well, that's something that dogs struggle to understand. Um, the other thing is that think of walking your dog down the street, and you're, you have your dog on a leash, and uh, there's a lamppost, um, and the question is, does your dog know that you should stay on the same side of the street as you're on so that the leash doesn't get wrapped around the lamppost and you guys are both in trouble? <laughs> and it ends up dogs have a real hard, under, uh, hard time understanding what's called the principle of connectivity, that the leash connects the dog itself to the person. Um, and because they don't understand that principle, they don't know what to do in that context. They can't flexibly solve that problem. So, but Brian, how do, how, do, how do you deal with the fact when you're talking about something like that in the leash? I mean, the other day I was taking a flight and um, I was watching a blind man go, you know, onto a plane with a retriever. And I was, you know, even though the dog is very close to him, it seemed that the dog was able to recognize people and different things in the way and, and move this guy around them. Yeah, so actually one of the things we've tried to do with everything we've learned about how dogs solve problems is now um, apply that um, new knowledge to identifying dogs that will be best at helping people. So um, we're, we're actually working with Canine Companions for Independence, which is the lar largest service dog provider in the country, mm -hmm. and we're trying to use the games that we've developed, the fun um, games that these dogs play to reveal how they think, and use that to identify dogs that have the capability or are most likely going to be able to help people. Um, and so that's a, that's a great example. And is that something you can train them or teach them to do? I mean, they may not, you know, have a, a strength in that area, but is that something you can teach them well, to do? That's one of the what, that's one of the questions we ask in the book. Is um, we sort of evaluate different approaches to training, and so we try to suggest in chapter ten what's called the cognitive approach to training. Um, and basically, what it is is realizing what dogs are remarkable for, but then also realizing there are going to be some constraints on types of problems they can be trained to solve. In, in a way that they actually understand what they're doing. Um, and, and that if you can understand strengths and weaknesses, um, then you're going to be better able to come up with strategies to deal with weaknesses. And actually, honestly, it's an open question uh, as to whether you can train a dog um, to overcome its weaknesses. There's very little systematic research evaluating different training techniques in a mm. rigorous scientific way. You know, Dr. Lisa brought up a point earlier um, in the conversation about dognition, and people who uh, obtain your book, The Genius of Dogs, um, How Dogs Are Smarter Than You Think, can they take this test or learn about dognition? Yes, absolutely. If people go to dognition.com, they can sign up right now. And basically what the book tries to do is says, here's what we've learned in the last 10 years. We have really a revolutionary understanding of um, how dogs think and Cognitive psychologists, cognitive scientists have become very serious about trying to understand how, how the mind of the dog works. Um, so um, what Dognition.com does is it says you can take part. 
And it's not just about all dogs. Dognition.com um, takes fun science-based games and provides them to those who sign up so that you can use those games with your dog and find out how your dog compares to every other dog um, that participates in Dognition.com. So it's Dognition.com that they can go to? That's right. i got to ask you a question. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine, Alton, the other night, and we were talking about the alpha in the household, mm-hmm. that, you know, uh, who takes control, who is specifically the alpha, the human being. In your book, The Genius of Dogs, you talk about that situation and, you know, the alpha training method and all. What do you have to say about, you know, mom or dad being the alpha over the rest of the dogs in the household? Well, what, what, you know, I, in writing the book about the different training techniques, I was really agnostic. I really didn't know um, what the different training techniques were based on in terms of what is available in the scientific literature. So I went in and looked at the um, at peer-reviewed um, science, and what I found was that um, the idea that dogs um, uh, respond to the alpha in the pack I don't really think that stands up to um, what we know now about the social system of feral dogs. Hmm. Um, and so um, the, um, what we know from studying feral dogs in, in the wild is that, um, uh, that feral dogs actually don't have a strict hierarchy, and that um, uh, whereas uh, wolves have a very strict hierarchy of two individuals who are alpha over everybody else, in feral dogs, it ends up that um, everybody's more egalitarian, and the most likely individual that a dog is going to follow isn't the dominant. It's actually the one that has the most friends in the group. Hmm. So dogs are very social creatures rather than dominant, submissive creatures. Well, that's right, in that, um, you know, basically the punchline is thinking about a wolf social system and thinking that dogs have the same social system mm-hmm. is incorrect. It ends up that dogs with well, feral dogs are dogs that live with no influence from humans, other than you know rummaging around and scavenging and eating garbage potentially. Um, those dogs that live without influence um, from humans, they don't live like wolves. They live like feral dogs, and in feral dogs, mm-hmm. there is no strict hierarchy. So, what's your what's wow. your in your opinion? What's your recommendation to people that maybe have one or two dogs in the household already and themselves, um, and they're introducing a brand new dog into the house? Well, uh, that I would have to rely on people who, like Lisa, who have much more experience, um, you know, giving uh, people good advice on how to handle behavioral mm-hmm. problems. Because the truth is that um, it ends up that if you go into the scientific literature and you see, okay, has somebody said, here's a recommendation of how you should introduce a dog into your household. Um, here's one way that I would recommend. Um, for instance, oh, you should feed them apart for a month and then feed them together. Uh, and then there's somebody else has made another recommendation. Oh, no, 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 you should feed them together and just make sure they're always present. Well, no one's collected data on which is more successful. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I have no way as a scientist to tell you how to do it. I think there are people who mm-hmm. have a lot of experience who can advise, though. Would you recommend, though, that you can base a behavior on breed, or is it in your opinion, that every dog has their own characteristics and their own personalities, no matter what the breed is? Well, that, I think that's going to be a place where Dognition.com is going to be really super fun, is that, um, unfortunately, what I have to say, again, as a scientist, is we know very little bit about breed differences if you want to rely on science. Um, I'm sure there are breed differences, and everybody who has tons of observational um, observations and um, has spent lots of time with dogs and has lots of intuitions about them 
there's no doubt there are going to be breed differences that are identified, but science actually has been silent to this topic. Um, but that's where dognition.com is going to be really super exciting because what dognition.com does is it allows you to identify the unique genius of your dog because you're going to play a series of games that will identify, for instance, is your dog super empathic? Um, does it really, relative to other dogs, is it, is it really strongly bonded to you? Um, is your dog a communicative dog or is your dog one that's more um, individualistic? Um, and so you're going to learn a lot about how your dog compares to other dogs. Hmm. But more than that, you're going to contribute to a large data set that will allow science for the first time to answer questions about breed differences. Because if tens of thousands of people provide data on their dogs, we can actually answer the question, is it that Great Danes and Chihuahuas actually have a very different type of memory? Or is it that um, Border Collies and Afghan Hounds actually are different when it comes to communicating with them? Well, Brian, hold on to that thought because we're going to come right back with Brian Hare, the author of The Genius of Dogs, How Dogs Are Smarter Than You Think. We're going to give away a copy of the book. This is Talkin' Pets. Talking Pets. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. I'm not much of a reader, but I do wish I were more well-read. There are so many great books coming out. I wish I could find a way to keep up. Audible.com makes it easy to stay well-informed and catch up on your reading simply by listening. Audiobooks from Audible turn downtime into uptime. You'll be more productive and become well-read. Now I'm able to catch up on all the great books I've been wanting to read. With Audible, I feel smarter. Pet Life Radio listeners, try audible.com now and get your first 30 days of Audible Listener Gold Membership plan free. And get a free audiobook. Choose from over 100,000 titles. To get this great deal, go to audibledeals.com. That's audibledeals.com. Hi, everybody. I'm Megan Blake here with my sidekick, Super Smiley. The giant mutt and spokes dog for throwaways. You're listening to Pet Life Radio, and I'd like to tell you about our brand new show, A Super Smiley Adventure. Our show explores adventures with animals. They can be traveling, out in the world trips, or inner journeys where our animals lead us to inspiration and self-discovery, or just plain fun adventures. Join us here on Pet Life Radio on A Super Smiley Adventure. Good boy. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. And you're listening to Talking Pets. I'm John Patch. I'm Dr. Lisa Santonzi. That's Kelly Clarkson in the background, one of her new singles. Bobby, the title of that song is... 
Catch My Breath. Great song. I love <laughs> Kelly Clarkson. Congratulations to her. She's engaged. Yeah, apparently. I read a whole article on how she's constantly getting hit on by women. Really? Yeah. Well, there was that rumor going out there for a long time. Well, that's what she said. She said if she happened to be a lesbian, she would have been doing awesome because it was just all hot girls hitting on her. (laughs) (laughs) But she said she was single for so long, and she found somebody, and she's madly in love. And Reba McIntyre, some relation to her, actually, the guy is. And they're good friends. You never know. Love may be closer than you think. It's good to be happy. Yes, it That's is. That's right. 866-606-TALK is the number. 866-606-8255. We're speaking with Brian Hare, the genius of dogs. How dogs are smarter than you think. We have a copy of the book going out to the call that comes in at 866-606-8255. Call now. It's yours. 866-606-TALK. And that's, uh, of course, 866-606-8255. A copy of the book is yours. It's available at Amazon.com, of course, online, and you can find it in bookstores. It's put out by Dutton Press, which is an extension of Penguin. And uh, it's a beautiful book. You can't miss it. A Great Dane on the cover, and it's called The Genius of Dogs. And it's by Brian Hare and his wife, Vanessa Woods. And, uh, Brian, before we say goodbye, there was one or two more questions that I had, and I think Lisa's got a question as well. But I wanted to ask you a question, a question in terms of attachment. You, you talk about it on page 265 in your book a little bit um, about, you know, how um, dogs are attached to us or we are attached to them. I know they are an extension to our family, and when we go through a loss of a dog, it's like it's like losing a member of our family, of course. But what about, in, in the instance, I want to turn that around a little bit, if dogs are so attached to the human partners, do they? how do they feel when, they, when, when a human passes? Right, that's a tough question. Um, so if you, you if you ask me as a scientist, that's a hard one for me to answer. But if you ask me as a person, you know, obviously I think the the dog um, probably is really um, sad. Um, you know, because dogs are really bonded to certain people, and if that person disappears, I think that that's really tough on a dog. But um, what I what I um, what I can say based on science is that. Um, there's some good evidence that dogs remember um, if they're separated from their mother, for instance. Um, they do remember their mother even two years later when um, uh, put back together with their mother. If you give them the choice between their mother and another um, uh, female, similar size, similar breed, um, uh, dogs will choose their mother, and actually the mother will choose their offspring. So I think they have really good memory for social relationships. You know, it's interesting because uh, totally, totally on this path, but a little bit off the beaten path, a good friend of mine is Tippi Hedren. Um, you know her from Alfred Hitchcock, The Birds and All. And I was at her house the one day, and up at her preserve, she's got lions and tigers and stuff that she keeps. And she had two elephants. And at the time, she had one. I don't know if you remember this, Bobby, but she had the one elephant. And they, she brought in another rescue. It was from a circus or whatever, and it was beaten um, at a Ringling Brothers to, to perform. And she ended up bringing it into her property those two elephants, apparently, they, uh, like they were like two little kids in a playground when, when they met each other because they remembered each other. And it was like many, many, many years back, these two elephants were like a couple, I think, at another zoo. And they actually, like, what, 30 years later or something, 20, 30 years later, they actually remembered each other when they came together at Tippy's place, Shambhala. So it's amazing, you know, the credit that we don't give to animals. Lisa, you had a question, too, before we say goodbye? Yeah, just one last quick question, Brian. i got to ask you, when are you going to write The Genius of Cats? Ah. <laughs> cats are Good geniuses. Question. Not a 
how cats are smarter than you think. Everybody thinks that dogs are smarter than cats. We brought but this, I am we brought not this up before you got here, actually. I'm, did you? Yes. Oh, I missed it. I am not convinced. Honestly, I think my cats are smarter than my dog. No. I do. They're just more sarcastic. In a different way. It's a different kind of intelligence. Would you agree with and that? He did kind of say That's that. That's yeah. exactly what I was arguing earlier. They okay. have, they're different types of intelligence, and you know, cats just have a different flavor than dogs. So are you gonna? Are you going to write a book on the genius of cats? I hope one of my graduate students does. <laughs> Good <laughs> answer. Good answer. Dognition.com. And is there like another website for you, or is that the best one to go to? That's the best one. I think people are going to have a lot of fun uh, participating in science-based games, and they're going to have a richer relationship with their dog as a result. And they're going to participate in a bigger citizen science project that'll help us learn about all dogs. And I can't wait. I'm going to do it tomorrow. Bobby, our producer, actually, our executive producer, will put it on our Facebook and Twitter, so dognition.com, so people will go to it. So, uh, Brian, I want to thank you for joining us. It was a great conversation with you about your book, of course, The Genius of Dogs, How Dogs Are Smarter Than You Think. And, uh, Brian Hare, give our best to your wife, Vanessa Woods, and, of course, uh, the dogs in your life. Thank you so much. Thanks, Take Brian. Thank you, Brian. That's Brian Hare, of course, and Vanessa Woods, The Genius of Dogs, How Dogs Are Smarter Than You Think. It's put out by Dutton Press, and of course, that's an extension of Penguin. You can find it in bookstores, you can find it online, but of course, he did recommend, as we do as well, go to dognition.com, and you can take the test. Yeah, you, I can't wait can to do, do that with my, with my dog, Lily. I can't wait to do it with her. See how smart she is? Yeah, see how, well, see how bonded she is with me. Is Vince listening right now? Dr. Vince know. is usually here with us right now, but he's got the flu like everybody else in the country. But um, it's, it's funny because uh, we'll see. <laughs> I can say it because Vince isn't here and he won't hit me. <laughs> but maybe the dog is smarter than Vince. <laughs> <laughs> no, I doubt that. So he's you gotta pretty take, darn you gotta smart. Take, no, he is. I know. He is. He's a doctor. What do you expect? <laughs> <laughs> Again, for myself, John Patch. Uh, Dr. Jared Lazarus. And Amanda Page. We say goodbye for this hour of Talking Pets. Special thanks to Matt, our producer at Business Talk Radio Network. We'll talk to you again very soon. Don't forget, check out our website, TalkingPets.com. No G in the talking. And also, there's movie reviews on there and information and recent stories that you can read about in the news. And it will lead you also to our Facebook and Twitter. This is Talking Pets. Let's Talk Pets. Every week, on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.